Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And this is a good one for a couple reasons. Number one, because there's a lot happening this week, lots of reveals and new features in general. Number two, because we have an interview today with Craig Federighi, a senior VP at Apple. And number three, because Andrew is back in the podcast studio, doesn't have quite as difficult of an editing job. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited already. Welcome back. You're speaking into, you. a, into a new, uh, what do you think of the arms that are set up at this the table? arms are here? great. I already <laughs> like this. I, I feel like I don't have something in front of my eyes anymore. Like yeah. we used to talk and I would talk into the microphone and kind of lean to the side. Yeah. So I felt like I was talking to you face to face. We're a social distance acceptable apart yeah. across the table, but mm -hmm. it's good to not have like a bunch of different tracks to remote sync and everything. Yeah, so. that, that was always kind of a pain. And my yeah. house, I live really close to the road, so I could hear like every car going by and everything. This is, this is a real studio experience. Yeah. So nice. uh, a lot has happened on the channel since the last episode. Let me see. We got the Cybertruck phone, which is just prime quarantine content. It's this mm -hmm. ridiculous... $7,000 custom case for the iPhone 11 that kind of looks like a Cybertruck. Yeah, at I best. mean, it, any piece of bent metal looks like a Cybertruck, so sure. Yeah, you no can curves. Call it that. No curves, but we have that. We took a look at it. Then we had uh, the top five Android 11 features. So this isn't super new, but the Alpha had been out for a little while. I didn't really see that many new features in it to talk about, but a few more got added. We have a beta now. And there was enough for a video by the time that canceled I.O. happened. So, yeah, minor update, but all those Android 11 features are out in a video in one place. We also had uh, my Better Late Than Never Galaxy Buds Plus review. I, I think, yeah, Better Late Than Never, but mm -hmm. these are one of the, the best, most rock-solid pair of headphones. Hot take, I'll say they're better than the Pixel Buds for less money. They're just nice. rock-solid at everything. I would say the Galaxy Buds are the second most truly wireless earbud I recognize out in the wild. Oh, really? Yeah. More than... There's actually someone in this... I see someone in the parking lot here all the time. I'm assuming AirPods them. is number one. Of course. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess if you really wanted to do it, there's probably AirPods and then AirPods Pro are the second most right. and then and going then into Galaxy, Galaxy Buds. Buds. That's but, still pretty impressive. Yeah. That's that's uh, And there's a good reason for that. They're really for good. Sure. So yeah. check out that review if you haven't seen it. Then we got the PlayStation 5 reveal. And I did a video on my thoughts and reactions to, uh, well, all the new features, the games, and the slightly controversial design i would say did you did mm -hmm. you have any thoughts on that design my my thoughts are all on the design really? i think um i don't know why they're going this like or i have a theory on why they're going the crazy route but first i have to say is it crazy i don't like it at okay all. okay i think it looks bad i think the new xbox looks better because i feel like anyone who wants to put a console next to their tv wants it to look sleek and kind of just like oh, a i have piece a thought of, on that yeah like i still think ps2 slim was one of the best because it was just little tiny you hit it super easy um 
What's your thought, quick, before yeah. I go into my Well, it's theory. interesting. The PS2 Slim was, it's funny that they made that because, oh, yes, they really recognize people want a slim, mm -hmm. less obtrusive thing. But then they also realize if they only make one PS5, you're going to buy the PS5. And if they make a huge, obnoxious, obvious-looking PS5, everyone that walks in your house is going to know exactly what console you have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why it looks so So that's, that's my theory then, and not just for everyone who walks into your house, but every content creator that has one, whether it's a tech channel or oh. a gaming channel or literally just like vlogging. If you're vlogging and in the background you have a PS5, everyone's going to know exactly what Ooh, it is. Where product have, placement. Yeah, the Xbox S, is that the new one? Xbox One Series X. Yeah, that just looks like, Great like a, could be a Sono speaker in the background that could be a VCR, not a VCR, but you know, like a... It's just That could box. be anything back there. Yeah, so yeah. PS5 is in your face. You'll know what that is from a mile away. So it's good marketing, I guess. Good marketing design. Yeah. I don't yeah. like it, though. I, I kind of do like it. Really? It, like it, it didn't take very long to grow on me. I talked about this in the video. You can put it sideways, and that's actually the only way it'll fit under my TV is if I put it sideways because uh, I'm not putting it next to my TV. Yeah, asymmetrical works sometimes, but that then now you're looking at it being asymmetrical in a really strange way, and I wouldn't. Yeah, wouldn't I don't like know. It's, I, it's fine. It's got great memes. Great memes. Great memes. It definitely, I liked somebody said it looks like a Daft Punk helmet, like squished together. But this is the thing, they're, they're not going to make a black version, so someone's going to make, like, D-Brand's well, going to make a yeah. black skin for mm -hmm. it, like, there's going to be people who customize it and make it look other ways, but yeah, it does kind of look like a giant router or a Daft Punk helmet, <laughs> yeah, whatever Those, like, gaming routers that go over the top to look like gaming yeah. aesthetic. But That's fine with me. Um, this week, we also had the first ever online-only WWDC keynote. And the whole conference is online only, but it's a developer conference. So of course we saw updates to all their software, all their OSs, iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, tvOS, macOS. Um, I think, I don't know, I think I'm, that's think probably the whole good, list yeah, right yeah. there. Uh, we, we watched it live. It was a pretty great show. It was, it was pre-recorded mm -hmm. and they produced the whole thing and then just premiered it and showed everyone at the same time so it wasn't like a live on stage awkward nobody in the audience no. clapping type thing literally the opening like drone shot was just like okay they're not messing around here that was it's pretty serious man. Was, yo if you if you flew that drone for that hit us up uh i just want to know if that you was flew amazing. the drone for the apple keynote and you still are looking for a job you have one here <laughs> yeah. at the mkbhd studio or at least come on the podcast and quickly tell us about Seriously. how that all went that would be awesome but uh yeah, that was amazing. It was really well produced. Not surprised. But then at the same time, you have other companies doing online stuff and it's not even close to the realm of what they just did. So I will I will slip this Bravo. in here. There are some upcoming events that I've heard about mm -hmm. that are, you know, sometime in the second half of this year that have some serious either awesome or cringe potential, depending on how I it goes. I can't wait. We'll uh, have to, let's rank them at the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. This will be fun. But yeah. we'll, we'll we'll stay tuned. Keep an eye on that because yeah. there's obviously many more events and things coming out. But we got all we got all these software features. There's a bunch of new iOS features. Did you have a, like a favorite announcement from the whole show? Uh, so as someone who's a Windows and an Android person, I'm not that deep in the Fair. Apple ecosystem at all. I use a Mac at work. Um, but I, I guess I kind of like to watch it and think, oh, there's something I really wish I had on Android or Windows. Um. Mm -hmm. I think one of the coolest things I saw was that when you have your AirPods in and you switch from your phone to your iPad and pick it up, it automatically switches, which is just 
AirPods taking another step at just completely crushing all the other truly wireless smart headphones. You know, uh, sometimes they say stuff just is, works like magic in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. You have to be fully in the ecosystem to feel that magic, but when you do, it does kind of seem like magic when mm -hmm. it works. So that'll be fun to see. We have uh, two videos up on that whole keynote on the channel. The first one is a huge WWDC reaction recap of everything. Uh, from top to bottom, from all the new software features to Macs switching to Apple Silicon later this year, mm -hmm. all of that. And then the second one, second video, is about iOS 14. I was spending a day on my phone, basically, and, and getting to, to know the new features, and there are a lot of them. And I basically run through a bunch of the, the top-level new features and some of the hidden stuff you might not find if you didn't have it on your phone. So iOS 14 video is up. But I think a great place to start with WWDC would be to have a chat with the man himself. He spent a lot of time on camera in Apple's keynote video, but also behind the scenes, behind all the stuff happening there. And that's Craig Federighi. So I chatted with Craig about the production of that massive two-hour keynote, which is a video, not a live stream. It's a whole two-hour video. And then some behind-the-scenes questions on the new iOS, the new macOS features, and even some random stuff like fan questions from you guys, and uh, where Jiggle Mode came from. I had to ask. So <laughs> the most uh, important, yeah. it's, it's a very important question. So, of course, now I'll preface this all by saying whenever you get access to like a, a senior VP of any big company or anything like that, someone with insider knowledge, you know, they're expecting those questions about like future products and future yeah. hardware. Uh, that sort of stuff is off limits. So I'm not mm -hmm. going to go straight up and ask him when's a new iMac coming. That's they, they just tell you right off the bat that's not going to be talked about. So. Anyway, just so you know, we talked about as much as we could, and all that is after the break. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, Craig, first of all, thanks for joining us on the Waveform podcast. Hey, great to be here. And yeah, my, my first question is, how are you? You know, it's been it's been a busy week, I'm sure, for for all that WWDC has included and everything leading up to it, and and this this keynote, and now all the uh, sessions afterward. And it's been a while since we chatted, but yeah, how's it going? 
Uh, it is going all right. I mean, this uh, these are unusual times, and uh, I've been very uh, been very grateful that we've all had the opportunity to do work uh, during this time. And uh, I, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of what the team's been able to achieve during you know a time where uh, yeah, it's been been unusual. But WWDC and the whole run up to WWDC, the months leading up to WWDC, are for our software teams just the most intense period of bringing it all together and getting ready to uh, uh, you know unveil it to the world uh of of the year it's always our most intense time and this year maybe doubly so you know with our announcement of apple silicon i mean this is the culmination of many years of work and so to have have that all coming together i mean we've been yeah. uh, excitedly envisioning the day uh when this would happen i didn't envision at the beginning that we would be uh unveiling it under exactly these circumstances uh, but, right. uh, you know, it couldn't, couldn't be more thrilled to, uh, to be here right now. So I'm feeling good. For sure. That's good. So we'll get to, we'll get to all the things that the software teams have worked on in a second, but I wanted to touch on the work of the production team yeah. because this was the first ever online only WWDC, which meant you didn't necessarily have to do it any certain way. This was a, a door open to doing it a different way. And it turned into this very nicely produced, uh, you know, two hour keynote that had a, a density of information that was admirable, but also just a, a fun production value that I thought was great. Um, how how long did that take to make? You want to shed some light behind what that experience was like for you? Yeah. Um, well, I, first I'd say just uh, the team took this as you know. At first, it was kind of oh no, you know, we're we're not going to be able to to do this in in the way that we've uh, become accustomed and in front of an enthusiastic live audience. So. Uh, but I think mm -hmm. pretty immediately people started saying like, what, what could we do? Like, what's the opportunity here? And, you know, when we do an event at the conference and we have you know, 6,500 people in the room, you know, it's got to be in some external venue. And we thought, hey, we can, we can bring people into Apple Park. And uh, so that was, that was the amazing opportunity in these spaces that, you know, you, you've probably uh, been in the audience of Steve Jobs Theater. Most of the people out there haven't. And if they've seen anything of it, it's sort of just see the stage. Uh, and and yeah. to, to you know make Apple Park the set and to take people around this space and, and share with them where we work was was I think one of the first big ideas there uh, and then you know we just we worked with it throughout the production on like how how can you take advantage of the fact that you can now move between people kind of immediately you can move between locations immediately and then of course all the creative transitions that we worked into. To both showing off the park and 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 providing little Love little him. moments, I uh, yeah. I, I uh, you know couldn't have more uh, respect and admiration for the teams that put that all together. I'm humbled to have been a a little uh, a little part of it, uh, but uh, what 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 they did was just amazing. Um, it was an, an incredible yeah. amount of work too. And when you think about uh, this kind of film production, obviously it's an incredibly compressed time frame to put it together because all the software's got to come together. Uh, before we can shoot, uh, we gotta, it's all got to come together for the conference. And then all of the production, all of the editing, making it just right in an incredibly compressed time frame. So they've, they've moved mountains. And, uh, you know, when I, I finally saw the result with, with everyone else uh, on Monday and, uh, you know, I was, I was really amazed with what they did with the horrible raw footage I gave them as input. Did you not? You didn't see it until until Monday. No, I I, uh, I hate looking at myself. Is is the truth? So uh. Uh, yeah, I was. It was really an open question for me whether I'd, I'd watch my part at all or just walk out of the room every time I, I spoke. But I 
I got to sit there with my family and watch it, and uh, and that was kind of fun. It turned out it turned out great. I'll, I'll echo the sentiments of a lot of people who have been to both the uh, the Steve Jobs Theater and the live presentations and reported on them versus reporting on this, where this is awesome and the experience of hey everything works. We have everything you know at our disposal to to live tweet it or to share what we're thinking of it as it's happening. Um, I hope these happen you know, almost as often as the live shows. These are, these are super helpful. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. To, uh, I mean, we went into it saying, well, we'll see what we yeah. learn and, and try to figure out what it means for, for the future when, when we're not forced to do it this way, but what, what part of this can, can we continue to apply in the future? I, I think that's going to be some, some pretty interesting discussions going forward, but I'm glad you liked it. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you liked it. For sure. So uh, I want to jump right into right at the top of the presentation, we got right into iOS 14 yeah. and I, I was sort of thinking my, my overall theme of iOS 14, now that I've used the, the developer beta for, I guess, two days now, is it just feels like it's giving you more customization. Mm -hmm. And to me, that, that feeling came from having widgets on the home screen and being able to edit them and put them wherever we want and the stacks and the app library. But maybe you can shed some light on if you have sort of an overarching theme of iOS 14 or, or what what comes to mind when you, you first talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I think... I think personalization and convenience are huge. So when uh, certainly things like uh, having more information at a glance, that's that's really convenient. It's also very personal how you choose to configure that. Um, but things like app clips, where uh, we certainly certainly envision you being able to, with much greater ease now, move, move about the world and discover things you can do with your phone and take action super quickly. Um, I think that's, that's gonna be really big over time in terms of just uh, making your phone that much more useful in the moment for you. And so uh, I think convenience is uh, a huge theme. Um, and, you know, we just continue to want to refine the experience. We've been on, obviously, a many, many year arc of kind of perfecting in our in our vision uh, the iOS experience. And so it's it's been great to continue to move it forward. For sure. Uh, I got to ask. You called it jiggle mode <laughs> on stage. Is that the first time you've called it oh, that no. or like named it? Oh, or no. Well, oh, oh, externally, yeah, I didn't even realize until this thing aired and people started sort of laughing at, at jiggle mode that it wasn't, yeah. it, that's what we call it internally all the time. In all our design meetings, we're always okay. talking about jiggle mode. And so that just sort of came out uh, as we were filming because that's how we, we talk about it. And it didn't occur to me that that hadn't actually crossed out of Apple before. But there you go, world. You now it. know. it's uh, for, for us, it is jiggle mode. I'm calling it, I'm calling it jiggle mode. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah. For, uh, so for these widgets and this customization, it does feel like not only is an extra layer of personalization, but also potentially of complexity. So I'm curious what, what you think the average person will use of this new set of features? Like, does do you think most people will start adding widgets to their home screens or do you think only some people will use a few widgets? Yeah. Or will they suddenly be everywhere? Yeah, no, I, certainly uh, that's a big source of internal speculation. Um, but I, you know, we do focus on uh, trying to have kind of a very uh, easy path in and then uh, sort of successive uh, discovery and people taking on whatever degree of richness and experience or complexity that they're ready for when they're ready for it. You know, we don't want to dump a complex a new user into a complex experience. We want them to have the easiest path in. But then some people, they're 
like yourself. I mean, you're, you're a power user, you're an expert user. You, you're gonna take the time to customize and tailor the device to be what, what you want it to be. And we wanna give you more control to do that while other people aren't burdened with it. Um, and so mm-hmm. how many people will do it? Well, you know, the first thing we did is we said, well, we have left of home, what we call left of home, uh, and it's pre-configured to be useful. But we, we decided that we'll put the smart stack on the left of home by default. So everybody immediately gets a degree of that smartness and personalization with sort of no increase in complexity, no need to figure out how to configure anything. Um, now, okay. what will most uh, users do? It's been Funny, actually, watching my, my kids debate, actually. There's, some of them are saying, you know, I just want to protect the serenity of my home screen. And then, you know, another one said, yeah, I want, I want my page one just to be some apps. And then on page two, maybe I'm going to put a couple of widgets because that'll be my, you know. So <laughs> I think everybody's going to approach, okay. it, uh, approach it very differently. But the, the key for us is that there's this very gentle ramp up that, that iOS is the right, sort of meets everybody where they are in terms of what they're ready for and makes it really gentle for them to find their way into uh, personalizing it as they wish. For sure. And I'll add another, another great piece of that personalization, which kind of snuck into one of those slides, is you can now default your mail and browser app to a different app. Once developers add those flags, you'll be able to change your default mail. I did mail hear that you browser. were looking forward to using alternatives. You, I was you, one of those. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, Something for everybody. I love, I love that extra layer. I think my, my natural question to that is, okay, it's only mail and browser. Is there a reason you didn't have full-on you know, chaos or, or even just <laughs> well, I maps? Because I, I think maps would have been nice to, to also be able to set as a default. You know, honestly, uh, a great point. I mean, I think for us, we looked at what were the top things that we'd been hearing people say they, they wanted to configure. And there's definitely uh, those two that rose to the top. Uh, so um, I'll certainly take, take the input about, about maps as well. It was, uh, this, was, this was just where we started. I think your point on, on chaos yeah. is an important one. I mean, obviously with, with iOS, we're very careful about trying to keep, we, we know how, uh, platforms can sort of descend into chaos, and uh, particularly when um, apps that you know might honestly not even be browsers, uh, you know, decide they're going to be a browser, and then you know try I to see. hook into being your browser because maybe they could redirect you to a different uh, tracked ad experience when you click on something or bounce you into you know who knows what. And so we are very careful about. Um, making sure that that experience that we don't have people getting uh, misled or have their device gets uh, configured into a place where, uh, boy, they just don't even like, uh, like using their, their, uh, their phone anymore because it's gotten so wonked up. So uh, we, we, we proceed gotcha. cautiously on these things for sure. Does that mean there will be, uh, I assume, well, I, maybe I shouldn't assume that not every app can add that flag to potentially be a default browser, but only certain approvals? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So, so we uh, will have criteria for the, you have to be a general purpose browser and there'll be, I mean, the ones you would think of as using as your browser will of course all, all qualify. Um, but we don't want okay. um, a random game to just claim like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a browser, you know, I'm willing to throw up a, a WebKit view now and then in, in the middle of my game experience, right. I'm gonna be your browser. Um, because we think that could, could readily be abused. So we want real general purpose mail apps and real general purpose uh, browsers to be able to uh, present themselves to the user with this functionality and, and, and keep out all the rest of the confusion. So I think the, that sort of segues nicely into iPadOS, which is where I feel like the, 
the complexity, but also personalization steps up a notch. Mm. Um, and I actually use my iPad a lot more, my iPad Pro a lot more now than I did about two years ago because of iPad OS. But uh, talk me through, iPad OS has a lot of the same changes that you see on the iPhone, but not quite. Mm -hmm. So you can't put widgets mm -hmm. quite everywhere. They're only still on that side yeah. view. Uh, what's the what's the philosophy behind those changes? Well, I think uh, we were first to bring widgets really to for, iPad OS was the first that really got the widgets right on the same screen alongside uh, last year. Yeah, and so we felt like that actually had a really good balance of uh, giving you access to information at a glance while preserving a really uh, coherent. Uh, icon grid. And so, you know, whether whether over time we want to push that further with uh, letting you further uh, move the widgets out of their, their designated spot right alongside the app icons or not, um, we'll, we'll see. Um, but we felt like we really had a, a great balanced solution for this uh, already, I think, is, is the, thing with, uh, the thing with widgets. But with, with iPadOS, we really wanted to push on some experiences that were distinctly iPad, uh, and you, you know, you certainly saw some in terms of uh, how we changed some of the app design language, brought in sidebars and more efficient pop-up controls. But then also with Pencil, how you know, there's there's for many users, Pencil is uh, something that they distinctly love using on iPad, and we wanted to make sure that both taking notes could be uh, really convenient and and expressive, but they could still work with text like text. Um, which I, for yeah. me as a, as a note taker, that's just huge. Um, and then the ability that when you have a pencil in your hand that you can just write anywhere. You don't have to like kind of switch modes from, from using the keyboard, you know, using the thing, the, the pencil, oh, let me put that down to a little keyboard because I want to write something in a search field. Now you don't have to. And uh, we think that's just going to be right. huge for, for many people who, who are uh, pencil lovers. Yeah, I am, I am a pencil lover on the iPad, but as a non-artist, it's really hard for me to find I, my handwriting yeah. is terrible too. So I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for ways to use the pencil yeah. more. And I think scribble will help just for like, just not having to put it down as much. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's just, I just wanted to throw that, <laughs> throw that out there. I like using the pencil. I'm just looking for more ways yeah. to use it. Um, Siri also gets a new compact yeah. UI, both on the yeah. phone and on the iPad. Um, but something I, we've noticed since using it is it is a compact UI, but you can't interact mm. with things underneath mm -hmm. or behind mm -hmm. it. Um, is that intentional? Very. Is that a limitation? What's no, what's no, and in fact, you know, we tried it both ways. We we had uh, internally we had prototypes running where uh, you would scroll behind uh, the Siri answers as you brought them up, and initially we thought that was going to be uh, really great, and so we implemented it that way. And then what we found was that for most of the interactions we were having with Siri, that that then created this kind of extra heaviness to it because. If you just said wanted to check the weather or look up a piece of information, and then you were ready to move on, your uh, scroll gesture wasn't going to move on. The Siri result was going to stick around there. So you always had this additional step of dismissing the result, and we found that to be um, extra heavy. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to listen to what people have to say through the beta period because, like I say, I mean, we we actually have it working both ways. Um, but but our feeling yeah. was that. We wanted to achieve a, a, a great lightness, not just visually, but in terms of you could dip into Siri, get an answer, and and move on uh, quickly without any kind of overhead in the subsequent interaction. So there's there's definitely a real balance there. Gotcha. I see. Yeah, I I felt that the experience was a little different on the phone versus the tablet. You know, on the phone, it felt like it made sense. I'm not necessarily reading or scrolling or doing things behind Siri very often, but the tablet with the bigger screen, 
to me felt like an opportunity to give me a little more of like the the multitasking feel that yeah. I talk about mm-hmm. on iPad, where you do feel like you have a little more control over leaving Siri there while you do other things and coming back to it. Did, so did you have a thought that of, might be of something yeah? To look did you into. have a thought about what you how you would have expected if you were to let's say start you know you got your answer and then you started scrolling and doing other things on your iPad? At what point? Yeah you would expect Siri to kind of get itself out of the way or whether you would have preferred to you know, have it hang out for you know, minutes and then you go over there and manually put it away? Yeah, so I think because that animation came in from the bottom and then the answer came in from the top, I almost felt like it would be different behavior on the phone, but I almost felt like just being able to swipe it out of the top where sure. it came from to dismiss it, uh, sort of like a notification even though it isn't one. Um, or, or bringing that Siri animation from the bottom corner and just swiping it down out of where it yep. appeared. Um, so that's, again, there's probably a thousand ways to, to also consider doing it, but I think that just because I'm such an iPad multitasking advocate, I think that would be something I'd be interested in. Thank thank you for the advice. All right. So (laughs) anytime (laughs) Mac OS, big sir, if we move right to what I think is debatably, but I think is the biggest announcement from this WWDC Mac OS 11.0. Um, I got to ask just because, you know, naming is fun. What's uh, what? What's your favorite um, landmark in California that hasn't <laughs> oh, been a macOS name I cannot name possibly yet. reveal our our future list of uh, uh, macOS name candidates. No way, man. Okay, naturally. <laughs> it's, it's the most highly think, protected the al- corporate secret. In fact, is the the secret. Yeah, it has to be. That's right. It has to be. <laughs> no, I, I like I like that it's eleven point It feels like a bigger a big a big refresh, a big new step. Um, and seeing all those visual changes, it got a very mixed reaction online and I'll share some of mine after, yeah. but there's a, there's a sort of an overarching theme of these rounded corners and a, a new transparency and a different sort of mm-hmm. look to it. Can you talk about that theme of Mac OS Big Sur? Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the first thing just to address the, the 11.0, I mean, we do feel that between the, the new design and the, the beginning of a new chapter with the introduction of Apple Silicon. I mean, I think this is, the, the Mac has been around, of course, for decades now, but to me, this is, this is just the beginning. I mean, this is a, this is a real renewal of the platform in, in many ways. And so we're really excited to, to mark this with uh, the next chapter, the turning to the next chapter with, with, uh, with 11. Uh, we love, uh, Mac OS 10, and needless to say, we all have internally like huge positive associations and an attachment to that to that name. So it wasn't it wasn't easy to let it go even this this long in, um, but but the moment was right. Um, as far as the the design goes, you know I think there is first I'll say that that we are all so attached to the Mac UI. I mean we use it all day long. There's something very uh, it's huge part of our, uh, our visual scenery of our lives at this point. And so what seems right is partly what we're used to seeing on that screen every day. And when it changes, immediately there's all kinds of little pattern recognizers in our brain that go like, hold on, something's different. Something. I feel like after you use the UI for, and I, I've been living on it for months, um, it feels natural, it feels um, fresh and yet clearly distinctly Mac. Uh, and I love it. And I think that it's natural the first time you you see it. And, and of course, the internet reacts on like they see a single screenshot and then let's start a tweet storm and then let's pile on. Um, they, they don't they don't necessarily <laughs> live on it. Right. And so 
um, I will love to hear the feedback of people as they've as they've really um, made it their system. Like they have the previous Mac UIs for you know for weeks, and and come back and say, how do you feel about it now? Um, I think the design team did amazing work, and I I find you know things like rounding. You know the, the, some of those choices may seem arbitrary. But in fact, it's extremely consistent throughout that whole experience. And I think it's really organic. You know, straight edges like this are like the process of human manufacturing processes. You know, uh, if you look out in nature, if you look at our own faces, it's a lot of curves, uh, right? And natural curves. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's something really beautiful and organic about the the look of the UI. Uh, And uh, I think the, the the use of materials is really great. Um, the clarity of some of the unified toolbars, I think, is is just clean and fresh and really deferential to content. And then, of course, I mean, it's a big step to change the icons of the Mac. That's certainly a, a signature change. Yeah. Um, but what we found when we live on it is we're all moving back and forth between our iPhone, our iPad, our Mac, and having that... Um, consistency and familiarity just takes a level of, of sort of mental mapping energy out of the whole thing. And it's just, it's relaxing, it's comfortable, it's, it's clear. Uh, and so, you know, we approached that decision with a lot of, a lot of debate. Um, but in the end, we, we tried it and it just, it just felt right. And I think as people use it, they're going to come to the same conclusion. Yeah, those new icons are not from iPad or iPhone, right? They're new, they're a totally new icon set as far as like Finder and and Spotify and Final Cut, like all these new apps. On we the Mac. did not create a Spotify icon. We would not make. We would true, not true, make true. that step. I mean, it might be fun <laughs> to try, but I don't think we're allowed to do that. Um, we we, right. we did. You're right. So there there's some Mac uh, some icons like like Finder exactly where uh, there's no analog, and so we got to imagine with the new shape and aesthetic how how should should the Mac look? And I think I I, I love what we came up with there. Um, then there are other icons, uh, like say Safari or Messages, where uh, we took the iOS icon and the typical you know chiclet shape, um, but applied a little bit of the traditional Mac craft to uh, to it. And I think that's been where there's some of the controversy right now, where people are saying, "Hold on, I'm, I, I know what that iPhone icon looks like, and this one seems just a little different. Something's tripping here and going like this yep. isn't quite right." Um, and uh, you know that's that's natural and understandable, but we we did want to pay homage to that history of great uh, craft and detailing that's been part of uh, the Mac uh, the history of Mac icons, and so we kind of brought those those two together, and, and hopefully in the end uh, successfully. Okay, and I also feel like I look at Mac OS as like you know in their lineup. You know, we talked about iOS and then iPad OS bringing like the next level of customization. Uh, and and personalization and capability, yeah. and then moving to macOS is like the ultimate in that. Um, is does that does that find its way into any any decisions you made in? Because I know there's the the new control center. Is it called control yeah. center mm-hmm. now? Yeah, the control center. So that has that has a bit of a new redesigned look to it. Um, does does that play a part in the decisions where you change the UI a little bit in Mac OS. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to certainly take some of these core ideas and then do them in a way that's very true to the Mac. And, you know, part of what Mac users expect is that next level of configuration to their environment. So one of the things, for instance, we do is while Control Center has all of your controls, 
uh, you may have certain controls that based on how you use your Mac, you want to get to all the time. You know, maybe you want to get at the displays preferences all the time because you're moving between AirPlay displays or external displays and changing resolution. And so you don't want to have an extra drill in into Control Center to get there. And so on the Mac, we let you drag that out put it on your menu bar right. and make it a top level item. And we feel that's that's kind of to the spirit of, of the Mac in terms of uh, configurability for sure. Nice, yeah, I, caught, I, I saw that during the keynote and I, I realized I wanted that ability when I saw it. So <laughs> that, was, that was well placed. Um, and we also brought it up a couple times, but Macs switching to Apple Silicon just generally, I think you, you also mentioned the first Mac with Apple Silicon coming out by the end of this that's year. Right. Uh, so, Naturally, with moving to a new version number and a new name and this new future, everything's very future-looking <laughs> right now. Uh, so I figured I'd bounce some some terms off of you, and you can tell me if these these things will be affected by the the move to Apple Silicon okay. or the new name I'll, or the I'll, new I'll, the version. I'll lay down a disclaimer going in, which is you know today's or, or this sure. week's announcements have been about getting our developers started, right? Getting down the path to, to this, this new system. We, everybody is uh, eager to learn about the details of future hardware. And honestly, of I'm course. really eager to tell you about it, but I am not going to do that uh, because there, that, that will <laughs> okay. have its day. So if you, if, you, if, you, if you try to tempt me into that area, I'm gonna pull myself back and not give you satisfaction. I'll scribble that okay. one out. I'll scribble that out with the Apple Pencil, okay. yeah. But I mean, the first one, first one's pretty simple, performance. Like you can imagine a future-looking improvement in performance thanks to moving to Apple Silicon. Um, power per watt was yeah. something you guys talked about. Talk about what it means for performance. Yeah, and I think uh, you know Johnny Saruji had a, a chart up there where uh, we we said the where you want to be is yeah. here, and that's where we're going to be. Uh, and and mm -hmm. it was about um, both high performance uh, at low power, and I think. Um, if you saw the State of the Union where Andreas uh, Venker talked to Shri, uh, who's, who's uh, on, on the Silicon team, Shri talked about how in modern systems, and that, that's true whether you're talking about a, uh, a light notebook, um, you know, a MacBook Pro class machine, or, or even, uh, even a, a Pro machine with a larger uh, uh, enclosure, in the end, thermals become a limiting factor. Uh, I mean, battery life and power delivery, but also thermals become the limiting factor for performance. And so uh, the fact that we are, uh, our silicon team is so um, the best in class in delivering power per watt doesn't just mean they deliver power efficient designs, but that they deliver designs that can actually achieve better real world performance in practice. And so I think, I think performance mm -hmm. thumbs up. Yeah, I think that's what I'm looking most forward to is the performance gains. But then also you look forward and app support is something talked about a lot where there's already a version of the Adobe suite. I think you said it was completely compatible with Apple yeah. Silicon and is working. Wait, we should, first of all, we should we should call it something because it's. I feel like I keep saying Apple Silicon Max or <laughs> Max with Apple Silicon. Is there like a shorthand internal word I should use or just I do not have a that? jiggle mode equivalent to reveal to the world right now on that okay. topic. So I think we're going to say Max built with Apple Silicon, which is, is, is uh, a mouthful right. perhaps. Okay, so there's, just yeah. for now, I mean, yeah. But Max, Max with Apple Silicon, you know, you'll have the Adobe suite built out for it. You have Final Cut built out for it. Um, but also developers over the next year or two, you said a two-year transition, will have to decide to build out for it. And also because of the binaries, 
build for Intel Max, hopefully effortlessly. Yeah. Um, but talk about that transition and how app support is affected by switching to Max with Apple. Silicon. Yeah, so we feel really great about how the transition is is already starting and and how it will go. Um, the most uh, applications out there have really modernized over the years to uh, use our latest developer tools, to be 64-bit clean, uh, to use our modern set of frameworks. And it turns out that that means moving to uh, Apple Silicon, in some cases, is literally recompiling. You know, open your project and recompile. And we've seen many examples of that. Um, more sophisticated apps like uh, Office and the Adobe Suite, you know, th some of these apps have decades of engineering, you know, th hundreds and hundreds of people working for decades creating uh, code and sometimes having dependencies on uh, different libraries and so forth. And those are bigger projects. But I think the amazing thing that, that um, I hope everyone could take away from the presentation was that we, those apps have already been completely brought over and we we did it with and they did it with us with a person or two you know it wasn't like they had to mm -hmm. mobilize you know the entire engineering team because this was incredibly secret and so we said could you give us a person or two and let's get those apps up and running and we could do it in a relatively short period of time and those are some of the hardest apps you could imagine bringing over and so um, we're really confident about the path for developers to bring this over but we do understand developers sometimes work on their own time scale um, they have their own engineering cycles. And so that's where Rosetta comes in, Rosetta 2, where if you're running an app and the developer hasn't gotten to it yet at the time that you get your first Apple Silicon-based Mac, Rosetta works great. And uh, I hope it came through in the presentations just how well things like Maya, um, things like uh, Tomb Raider were working on an iPad chip and a development platform running uh, in, in uh, a translated mode, and yet we're achieving great yeah. performance. So uh, I think the transition for, for customers is going to be really quite seamless. Yeah, hopefully completely frictionless. It's like a fingers crossed from me. You oh, know, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that you know all the apps I use, I, I've, I use a, a pretty good amount of apps, and I'm, I love that Final Cut, which is one of the apps I use the most, is already going to be right on top of that but yeah yeah and that's that's hopefully the precedent this is this is something that uh obviously we we pride ourselves in. we've done these transitions before we've done them successfully before we're actually getting better at it uh every time and uh, we've been working for years toward this moment to make this transition uh smooth and and uh we're feeling very good about how it's going so far so the last term i'll throw at you is update cycle uh-huh and this again you don't have to say anything about future hardware but to me, I love that, you know, you, when you remove a dependency on an external company like Intel, um, we've seen, you know, the, the iPhone and the iPad have such like lockstep update cycles, especially the iPhone. Uh, and to me, it feels like that also opens the door for the Mac to have a more predictable update cycle, whether it's the, the MacBook Pro or, or whatever other future hardware there is out there. Um, does that sound like a change that you guys would decide I, to make or does it not matter as much for I, Mac? I, th I think you you know you you've just you've crossed into that that domain of ah. uh, future hardware speculation so so i i, I won't okay. say but i i am uh, i'm very excited to work with our silicon team on future future max got it all right i got i, I got a couple fan questions okay. as well i asked I, I i put it out on youtube we had some some questions and we're gonna have craig on the podcast 
Um, first one, the iPad still does not have a default weather and calculator app, and they want to know why. You know, there's some things that we we have not done because we to do it, we would want to do something really distinctly great in that space. And uh, I think it's obviously easy to create a calculator app, uh, but creating one that feels yeah. like, wow, this is, this, is, this is the greatest iPad calculator app that it felt like. I think we, 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 uh -huh. we want to do it when we can do it really, really well. And, and we, we honestly have just uh, uh, haven't gotten around to doing it great. So uh, that, that, day, that day may come, but, uh, and, and you know, weather, it'd be, it'd be it easy enough up, to we'll scale know. up our additional, our existing weather uh, app, but we feel like what would a great weather app for iPad be? Like, let's, let's do that before we do it. And otherwise they're great options well, on guys, the app store. Guess, I mean, there, there are thousands of options on the app store in fact, so. Very true. I think this one that resonates to me because one of my favorite apps, you guys just acquired Dark mm. Sky. So it's no longer on Android. So I'm like this, this iOS weather app better turn into this amazing thing. So I'm, I think I think it may be time for an iPad weather app. That's right. just me. I'm and, just well, and it could be could be time for you to go iPhone exclusive. I think that that would be another hey, another another good maybe, move. <laughs> that's a big point of leverage. You make a great point. <laughs> um, another question is uh, there's a there's a very small group of people out there apparently that have an iPad and want to use an Apple Watch but don't have an mm. iPhone. Um, is this a workflow you guys think about or are there groups of people who maybe that's too small of a group of people to cater to, but will there ever be an iPad, Apple watch experience? We don't I mean, I, I get it. I think, I think there's an interesting place where, uh, Apple watch can for many people take that kind of the device that I need to have with, with, with that having LTE, it can be that device that gives you the degree of connectiveness, connectedness on the go. And then you've got your, your iPad when you want to. Um, get deeper, uh, and I, it's a sensible it's a sensible uh, point. It is not one that we uh, have pursued yet. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but so I, I get I get it. I uh, I love using my iPad and I love using my Apple Watch, so I could I could understand that. I mean, that's that's where my questions end. They, they start to get a little ridiculous. <laughs> I'll give you one more, which is nothing to do with okay. the keynote. Uh, does the name Does the name Alvin and the Chipmunks imply that Alvin is not a chipmunk? That's where that's where the YouTube comments really? went. Really, that just so, that quickly, it just fell yeah. right off right off the cliff. <laughs> right off a cliff, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's where, unless you want to answer, I, I that's don't probably think I have where a lot we'll of value to add in, in answering that particular question. <laughs> that's perfectly fine, Craig. Thanks, thanks for joining me on the Waveform Podcast. I'm sure you have a busy week, and and we've thoroughly enjoyed the the production of the the keynote, and we look forward to uh, what else is coming from you oh, guys fantastic. for the rest of the year. It's been been great to speak with you, and uh, very much appreciate your work. All right, well, that's been it for the interview part. Thanks again to Craig. I'm sure he's a super busy guy, as we know, and he took some time out of his day to chat about everything. And I'm sure we'll do it again sometime, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk with Andrew and we'll get our, our full reactions, our true reactions to all things Apple. Be right back. All right, welcome back. So that was fun. Craig's a nice guy. He gave us a, a lot of his time and we appreciate that. Now we can get into our real reactions when Craig's not listening. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't, um, I can give my comedic uh, relief without <laughs> being worried about offending him. I'm trying to figure out where should we start. We have iOS 14, we have iPadOS 14, we have WatchOS 7, we have macOS Big Sur 11. I can't, it sounds weird every time I say it out loud. Big Sur sounds weird. I mean, there's things. 
El Cap always sounded weird. El Cap sounds cool to me. El I feel Cap, like they've had some pretty cool names. Like, they grow on us. I don't like saying Yosemite out loud very much, but now we all just kind of know Yosemite is an OS. But Big Sur just, I don't know. It's a little weird. It's or different. we could talk about we'll go, we'll go we could talk about the new silicon, but where do you want to start? We let's, got a lot. Let's go iOS. Um, right. uh, you know, I'm not big in the, the Apple ecosystem, like we said, but like everyone uses phones. I, th- I feel we do so many phone reviews. I feel much more comfortable in the iOS system. Also, I've always like teetered on possibly switching to iPhone. And like, I found this interesting. Yeah, yeah. like Android customization is the biggest reason I'm staying there. I-, I always say I like my home screen to have almost nothing on it. I have my like mm. my dock at the bottom and two folders, I think. And that's that's it. So, so there's a lot yeah. more. I'm doing air quotes when I say this customization, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, bringing widgets to iOS, bringing that uh, what's called app library to iOS is basically an app drawer. So you can get rid of home screens now. So you can kind of get closer to what you're describing, yeah. but not quite all the way. One of the big reasons for that is you can't move anything by itself lower on the home screen. Like I, I always have my apps, my app icons on my Android phone close to the bottom, so mm-hmm. reachability. Yeah, exactly. And I have any widgets or stuff I just want to display up at the top. And you can't do that quite yet on the iPhone. If you want to have apps at the bottom, you need widgets at the top to push those apps to the bottom. Huh. And if you just want things at the bottom and nothing at the top, you can't do that yet. So yeah, that's it is a step towards getting closer. It's funny that you mentioned widgets almost acting as a way to bring apps to the bottom, which helps with reachability because we've talked about before how phones are just so big and people have a really hard time reaching things anymore. So just like, I mean, they show the picture of just like, uh, you know, weather and a clock. So if you put that at the top, now you have all your apps at the bottom and the top is, yeah, to me still cluttered, but much better probably for a lot of people. I think these are better looking widgets than a lot of Android widgets. Yeah, I actually don't really use Android widgets at all. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people actually probably don't. This is why I asked Craig about it. I was like, how many people do you think are going to go in and long press and add widgets to their home screen? And I think that's a question, you know, with a possibly really interesting answer, either a really surprisingly high amount or Mm -hmm. the almost nothing that I'm predicting because most iPhone users don't do that much customization anyway and they're fine with it so i would say you also mentioned before when we were just talking will new iphones potentially come with default widgets set up on the home screen right i was saying that would be cool that would be the best way i think so like not saying everyone who owns an iphone would hate widgets but Mm -hmm. a lot of people that own an iphone aren't that tech savvy this is going to update and they're never going to know they can put widgets on their home screen. Like they're not right. going to go into the settings and find out all the new stuff from the update. So while they'll like it, it's just going to look the same to them. So I'm saying Apple should put one widget on the default home screen. They never change the default home screen, by the way. For like years of iOS, yeah. it's been the same like FaceTime clock camera, like all the way at the top. Mm-hmm. Every time you set up a new iPhone, that's what it's looked like. I think just toss one widget in the yeah. default iOS home screen. Uh, for new phones. It. But then, so what about people who have their phones already? Like someone already has an 11 and they're going to update it. Nah, Do you think they're ever going to find out about <laughs> widgets? I don't, I don't Maybe think Maybe by so. accident. I mean, yeah. they, Craig talked for a little bit about discoverability and I think that's important when you add complexity. You yeah. want to not shove it in people's faces, but make it easy to discover that you can add this complexity or extra level of personalization if you want. Yeah. And, you know, when you long press, you do have that plus up there. It is pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not just going to show up by accident. Like you do have to kind of look around for it. So 
that'll be interesting. But the other thing, the other conversation that comes up when you say you're an Android person, yeah, yeah, is all the the talks about who's copying who. I'm actually kind of glad I took a step back on this, like this conversation or, or more of memeing at this point of like, our, look how much our they copy. subreddit is just like. Because it's so easy to make fun of. It's like, look at this this widget that I've had for nine years, and just now, oh, iPhones just now got the thing I've had for nine years. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing, but first of all, both of these are very mature operating systems. We we've seen Mm -hmm. OSs not get to this point, like Windows Phone and Palm OS or whatever, not quite get to this point. And when you get to this point, all you really have left to do is little tweaks and like little adjustments here and there. And to be honest. Both Android and iOS have been copying from each other for years. Where do you think the swipe up in Android came from to go home now? It's because people just didn't quite lock into embracing the attempted different ways Android was doing it. So to say, you know, iPhones are getting things now that Androids have had for a while, yes, but that's also true about Androids getting things that iPhones have had for a while. So also look at hardware. How many times have how many times have we seen Android phones that look just like iPhones? And oh, well, remember yeah, that Motorola one, like when. Uh, when iPhone first came out with the notch and like the the camera the dual camera on the back, there was a Motorola phone that looked literally exactly immediately. Like it. Yeah. Immediately. So yeah, I'm People not too copy. worried about I'm not too worried about copying. Matter of fact, a lot of times copying is one of those forms of competition where if you can copy and then innovate a little bit on top, that suddenly sets the original to try to want to get better and one up you again. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing the whole widget experience in Android start to get refined a little more. Um, so I'm, I'm totally fine with the whole For copying. Sure. Yeah, thing. yeah. So anyway, anyway, we have a bunch of new iOS features. Widgets are clearly one of them. I feel like I've said widget so many times, like I'm starting to lose the meaning <laughs> of that word. Uh, another big one, and if you don't use iPhones, this probably won't mean much to you, but actually, what phone do you use right now? Uh, Pixel 4. So when you get a call, it takes over the whole screen, right? Like on Samsung, when you get a call, it just gives you a little, little notification. Yeah, I think, I think it's... No, I think it takes over the whole screen. Man, we're in an, a year where phone calls are just so yeah. I don't so, do phone calls uh, yeah, very much. I really don't call people on the phone very often. But so on iOS 14, when you get a phone call or a FaceTime, it won't take over the whole screen. It will just give you a, that slide down notification like a Samsung yeah. phone, and so now you can just swipe it up to dismiss it or accept or deny right there. I I have to say I have a friend who is a huge Apple fan. He buys literally everything that Apple comes out with. Um. The first thing he said he was excited for was that it doesn't take up the whole screen when someone calls you. That was the so. top number one post on Reddit for a minute there. Really? Yeah. Is that this no longer is full screen? Also, wow, everything Apple buys, everything Apple makes. Okay, he had AirPods. Then he bought our matte black AirPods because he liked them so nice. much. And then okay. he instantly bought the AirPods Two and then AirPods Pro right after. It. Oh so he wow! Is just this man has a HomePod. Deep. I can tell. This is incredible. I believe he does. And I think he defends it as well. So I probably can't talk to this guy. (laughs) Um, So compact UI is cool. Picture in picture. Here's another one of those things that we've had forever on Android, but that's cool because now it's it's getting its little tweaks and it's doing it the iOS way. You can have a picture in picture video, but there is a little bit of confusion about whether or not picture in picture will work with YouTube. And if you have a a premium account versus if you don't, because if you don't have a YouTube premium account, picture in picture is disabled on the YouTube app. But when I went on... Is that different? Has that changed? Because I can do picture-in-picture on Android and I don't have YouTube Premium. 
Uh, it might be different on Android. I don't even know. Oh, anymore. Okay. But I, I went in Safari and I was logged in and I could picture in picture any video, but I'm not sure now if that's because I have a premium account or if, oh, if that's oh, just because okay. picture in picture works with everything now. Huh. But either way, the feature works with, with videos online, with the Apple TV app, with all kinds of stuff. You can shrink down that video just by going home and moving it around and changing the size. And I like that you can change playing. the sides. That's something you cannot do on Android, right? And yeah, and it's it's really actually very responsive. Like when I pinch in and like make it a little bigger, mm-hmm. like it doesn't work that well in Android. And when I just pinched in and in picture in picture in the iPhone, it just got a little bigger, just like the way I asked it to. Huh. So that was nice. Nice. So you also get this picture in picture with FaceTime. Again, if you don't use okay. an iPhone, you probably won't even know about this, but if you're on a FaceTime and mm-hmm. you wanna just go answer a text, as soon as you leave the FaceTime app, it pauses your video, and whoever's FaceTiming you doesn't see you anymore. So people do this all the time. This huh. is a staple of FaceTime. It's like you leave, your video's paused, you go text somebody, you come back, your video starts up again. Mm-hmm. You could do anything during that pause, but now your video continues. So if you're zoning nice. off on Instagram or texting somebody <laughs> while you're on FaceTime, they're gonna see you. So anyway, that's a new picture-in-picture feature. Uh, there's also a bunch more messages, features, improvements here. You can ta- you can pin message yeah. conversations to the top. There's a bunch of new group message features, um, threads and inline replies. People can mention you in a group chat now, and you can turn off notifications unless someone mentions you in the group chat. That's great. Those blue bubble conversations are about to get even better. <laughs> uh, and of course, Memojis got their improvement. Aging actually is, is one that I didn't think I would appreciate that much, but now you can you can really... Lockdown, you can really fine tune the age of your Memoji, uh, and you can also put a, a mask on. So great! So I just nice. I just hit thirty. Now I can make it look like you can you can bump up. Oh yeah, happy belated birthday! <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Yeah, you can you can bump up your Memoji's age in the aging feature in iOS fourteen. Uh, actually, so Maps got some pretty interesting updates. One is like maybe the most San Francisco feature ever, but it makes perfect sense. Is cycling. Lots of cycling. And so stuff. I actually, this is something that caught my eye. You meant it's bike lanes, right? Yeah, bike lanes. I guess New York City probably wouldn't really well, have to abide by that. I would be interested in how if it's only like city-based bike lanes, or because I I recently went camping and our our friend Johnny came with us, except he biked to the place in the Poconos. It took him two days. Ooh. And what I was thinking, I'm like, how does he bike on the highway this entire time? But there's not. There's like specific bike trails. He went on a two-day bike ride? He did a two-day bike ride and then he biked wow. back. He's actually leaving today to bike to West Virginia for two weeks. Okay. A two-week trip. I, I'm going to assume that Apple Maps probably doesn't have yeah, all yeah, that much that's, mapped out. But like, yeah, that's a little <laughs> hardcore and I'm sure the user base would be way too small for that. So I'm assuming this is just quick bike lanes yeah. in cities and such. Yeah, in cities, but, and it'll tell you if there's like stairs along your route and you can hit avoid the stairs on okay. your route so it can tell you where to go. So this is all pretty cool. The one I really think that I said over and over, I want Google Maps or somebody else to copy is electric vehicle routing. Nice. So we already know you can tell Google Maps when you drive somewhere to make sure you stop or make sure you avoid tolls or make sure you avoid highways or something mm-hmm. like that. So now if you tell it, and I couldn't find this in the beta that I was using, but this is on their site. If you tell it that you drive a certain type of electric car, it can route you and tell you where to stop and charge along the way so you can plan your trip accordingly. And this is this is one of the most asked questions whenever someone asks about my car. Mm-hmm. It's how far does it go on a battery and where do you charge it? And if this feature now is built into Apple Maps and, and hey, build it into Google Maps and build it mm-hmm. into Waze, 
so that normal people are aware of how many charges there are around. You have you don't have to download ChargePoint or some other random third party yeah. app to know that there's chargers everywhere. I think that's huge for electric vehicles. It's pretty pretty big and something that I think needs to be done because of the influx of EV cars we're seeing. So yeah, and I, I kind of want to try it to see if they if I put in that I have a Tesla, will they put in Tesla superchargers? Because right now I can only imagine it would have to be ones that are compatible with your car. Like yeah. And there's a lot, like if I don't have a Tesla, if I have a, a Volt or something and I, I go plug in that I have a Volt, I assume it will not tell me to stop at a Tesla supercharger. I would It'll hope tell it me wouldn't tell <laughs> you because one. you literally can't do it, right? Right. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I'm curious about this feature, but I, I generally think it's a pretty big win for electric cars to, to have this feature uh, built in. So that's cool. Uh, next up, tell me if you've heard this before, Translate app. <laughs> this is, there's, uh, there's 11 languages built into it right now. Uh, but basically, it's going to give you on-device libraries so you can instantly, quickly translate and converse with people in different languages. Pretty simple, basic app, but it's like, hey, while we're adding stock apps, might as well add a good translate app, and that seems to be what they've done here. And then Siri has gotten some improvements, not just to the design, but just to the general usefulness of Siri, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> Look, I haven't tried it much yet. I just kept asking it how old is Betty White because I was so fascinated but uh, it apparently has 20 times more facts than just three years ago, which is great. Uh, and it'll be able to give you those facts from the knowledge graph faster and more readily. So I'm hoping I'm hoping Siri gets a little better. You know what I think it's time for? Yes. Another one of those uh, like big voice assistant like comparison challenge videos. That would be cool. With like Google Assistant now, Siri now. Throw in like Alexa and Bixby okay. now. I kind of want to do something where in that test we also say a bunch of words that kind of sound like them and see how many accidental trips we can do and see if any of them have gotten better. Oh, I think Siri is the most often accidental trip Here one. Here it is. At my home, I get Google pretty often. A lot? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't use Siri that much, to be perfectly honest. I don't have a HomePod. I don't really trust Siri that much yet, but you can use it to do things like text people and just look up the weather and, and quick facts. So for those types of things... It's better, and it's also now, in case you didn't see the video, like a smaller UI down at the bottom mm -hmm. of the phone. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but that's that's mainly it. There's some some privacy improvements, some Safari improvements. Oh, what did you think what? of uh, the car key feature? Oh, uh, my favorite tweet about that was great. Now when someone steals my phone, they can also steal my car. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was saying in the video. It's like, all right, I guess on one hand that's pretty bad that you can steal someone's phone and then steal their car from that but if you if you if your phone dies anyway think about it you're already losing your phone your camera oh i didn't even think about it just dying yeah or your communicate like if you don't have a separate set of keys yeah. you just lost your car keys you just lost your wallet potentially you just lost maybe your some people keep their yeah. id like there's a lot of things people keep in their phone like what's the car keys adding to that list like you're already losing so much i i agree with you until you say you're phone dies though because if my phone's dead and i have like oh you're saying like apple wallet like specifically on the phone yeah 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 i don't know it's it's tough having a backup obviously yeah someone's gonna get stuck in a, a cruddy situation because their phone dies when they're out yeah um that, that's yeah rough. it's gonna be interesting to see we'll see. but like know. you said yeah people are doing it and i mean yeah. phone batteries are lasting so well and we have chargers everywhere it's going to become more less and less often yeah but. and the bmw they showed for it uh you tap it like on the car door you tap your phone it unlocks the car 
then when you get in the car, you put the phone like in this little cubby in the middle mm -hmm. where a wireless charges, and then nice. it connects to CarPlay. So now you're instantly like using the maps from iOS, and you're charging the phone already, and it's the the push to start works because you're in the car with the phone. So the whole the whole thing is like the car is just waiting for the phone to be there to do everything. Uh, I assume there's a backup where you also have a physical key that represents all the same things to the car. Yeah, I'm pretty Clearly. sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but obviously. I think that is kind of cool to have. That's uh, pretty. Awesome. It makes maybe you future cars. It makes too. you really think like if Apple ever created a car, how integrated it would be with the rest of the ecosystem and just like all the crazy stuff they could pull off. Like just imagine yeah. how much you use your car and how much that could be connected into your your car's got HomePod speakers. Your car's got Siri built in to the steering wheel, so when you press it, it just asks, what would you like to do, beep? <laughs> your car's got no brakes on the wheels. Your car's, your car's got real expensive wheels, too. It's a, It would it's an be Apple expensive car. and white. It would only come in white or space gray. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, one other thing I thought was kind of interesting, but not for the reason you'd think, is um, the sound alerts notifications. Yeah. You know, you said for... Uh, generally people who are hard of hearing they can what it could say like dog cat doorbell water running my my reason i would like that is because how often i'm way too into a video game with the volume on way too loud that i miss the doorbell i miss claire yeah. getting home <laughs> who knows someone could be literally breaking into my house and i don't know them so to have a notification like Hey moron! I just heard glass break. Yeah, and you didn't I, hear it. Could I be. did not think of this use case until I saw some comments. Yeah, like right. I thought it was a cool feature by itself, and mm -hmm. I tried it. Like, uh, it does tell me when it thinks there's a faucet that's running. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. I played a doorbell sound in the video immediately. It, really? it was like I heard a doorbell, huh. and it just gave me the notification. Um, and I was like, that's cool, but I didn't really think about like why wouldn't I hear the doorbell myself unless I needed the accessibility feature. And then, like you say, like you could be, you could have the headphones on, you could yeah. be gaming, and it's telling you, I just heard someone shouting, I just yeah. heard glass break, I just heard a doorbell. That's actually a, that's a pretty good use case for that. That's good. I think they'll come in more handy than people think. Nice. All right. I think that's about it for iOS, right? Yeah, I think we got, there's app clips, a couple of the small things. I highly encourage you guys to watch the video, which goes over all of the best features of it. It's been up for maybe three days now that when you hear this on Friday and plenty of people are, are adding to that list in the comments. So check that out. And uh, I think the most important thing you said in the video is how many phones it is compatible with, which ooh. is something we talk about on here all the time. Yeah. We say uh, a lot of things are coming to Android or coming from Android to iPhone 10 years late. What was I? I had a, I had a great witty line. Hold on. I got to think about it. So a lot of things people say, <laughs> I need to, <laughs> the Android OS had a lot of things first, but the iPhone will have a lot of things last. I think that's basically what I wanted that's to say. That's pretty, pretty like, good way This is going all the way back to iPhone 6S. The chances of a lot of these features, you're you're just now seeing in Android 11 going way back to a phone that old, mm -hmm. very, very low. So anyway, that was another, another neat thing you should check out. All right, iPad OS... A lot of the same features. I'm just gonna say, yeah. like, it's it's it makes it's got a different should, name, but yeah. yeah, a lot of the same stuff. You can't move widgets to the home screen, like I talked about with Craig, but you still have the new widgets. You still have widget stacking. You still have Safari improvements. You still have Siri improvements. FaceTime not taking up the whole screen. All that stuff, picture in picture. Good stuff for iPad OS. And then on top of that, you have a lot more Apple Pencil features like Scribble. Mm -hmm. We can write in any text, any text field. 
I think that's awesome. Any text field, you can just take the pencil and just start writing in it, and it'll handwrite, handwriting recognize and put in some text. That's pretty sweet. It's cool. I can't wait to test that more as someone with miserable handwriting. A lot of people are, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be... That's going to be tough, a challenge for Apple's handwriting recognition. Yeah. But if, if Apple wants any testing on somebody with really bad handwriting to improve its AI, I, I fully I actually, I volunteer. I would be willing to bet that's a whole building on Apple campus. <laughs> just people writing just right people now? people writing with the Apple Pencil and them trying to figure out how to improve their Sounds OCR. Sounds like a nice little temp job. Yeah. Nice <laughs> air conditioning, uh, really sick work environment, and you just write all day my you're just you're tired. just writing on a treadmill basically with an apple <laughs> pencil all day um yeah no ipad os gets a lot of the same stuff you want to jump to uh, let's just do watch os real quick just because there's a couple small things uh and by a couple small things i mean really just a couple new watch faces no third-party watch faces and sleep tracking sleep tracking that's yeah. the big one um do you do sleep tracking with anything i don't think you um, you don't I, wear like a fitness band I, I wear a, a Garmin smartwatch. Sometimes I haven't been wearing it as much because I've been doing way less physical stuff with everything. It's being hard closed. to close your rings, man. Um, yeah. So like, I was doing that, and I have to say, the sleep stuff is some of the coolest things. Like, it's super interesting to watch that and being like, "I'm tired today." Look back, it's like, "Cause I slept really poorly last night." Yeah. Um, and with everything that Apple Watch tracks and how well they track everything, I'm very surprised they haven't had this. So. There's been third-party apps that have done sleep tracking to varying degrees of success, mm -hmm. and I think just having it built in now with all the rest of the stuff Apple tracks is just comforting to a lot of people, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'll try it. I'll, I'll track my sleep. for. I don't really like wearing stuff when I sleep, so I probably won't end up I using that very much. I got used to it much. pretty quick, actually. Really? Yeah, you don't really notice I it. think it's more of just like giving my wrist a break from having this thing tied to it all day, and I yeah. try to switch wrists. I. You can kind of tell I have like a little watch tan on the other wrist. I still have mine and I've barely even worn my watch. But so like I'm looking ridiculous out here with two watch tans and I only have, <laughs> I only have one watch on. So I don't know. I'll just I'll give my wrist a break at night. Uh, but that's watch OS 7. No new hardware. And then Mac OS Big Sur 11. I can't stop saying it weird. Big Sur big sir yeah it sounds kind of weird if you really <laughs> say it like that i'm just gonna say mac os 11 I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna call it that for the rest of this podcast um but yeah it's a big old visual overhaul and if you if you watch any of the previews or if you watch our wwdc recap video you see a lot of this new new ui rounded corners everywhere uh new icons everywhere mm -hmm. and a lot of this you know new transparency it's getting mixed mixed reactions. I my first impression of it was, oh, this looks nice. It's a little it's a little cleaner, but I think that came from me just looking at a nice wallpaper and like some pretty clean menus and thinking that's fine. I can deal with that. But then when you take a second look, a lot of these icons. I'm gonna be honest. Now that Craig's not listening, I really don't <laughs> like a lot of these icons. Like I'm just not feeling the the shadows. I think is what it is. Yeah, there's like kind of a weird like shading slash shadow on some of them yeah and it just doesn't yeah they don't all f like fit together and i realized you know craig what he was talking about is is a lot of people see the newness of a lot of things and we'll just think you know it looks different but we'll cognitively get used to it and we'll we'll return to it being the new normal like think about when we got rid of skeuomorphism you know all these weird textures and leather and stitching in mac os all that was gone and we're like nice everything's hmm. flat now but now we're going back into these textures and this 3D look, 
and I don't know, I liked the flat, so we'll see if my eye, we'll see Craig, we'll see if my eye does get used to this, but my first impression is pretty mixed. Wait, if we're gonna talk about poor design, now I forget, this might be an OS as well because of laptops, but it might be iPad. What is that battery design? The battery is the worst one. That keeps getting thrown around. It's the worst one. I it's think it's in so, settings. It just doesn't fit with all the other things. Like, it's just completely different. We'll link a picture of this ridiculous Dear, battery icon in the show notes. It's so bad. <laughs> I, I don't... It's like uncomfortable. I think they're going to fix it. I think I they're going to change that. Fix it. I think that's the only one that's getting roasted that hard. Let's make t-shirts about it before it gets fixed. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. And then they're going to change it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, no, there's other changes to macOS Big 11. There's other changes to macOS 11 also. There's there's new Safari features. You have favicons and, and thumbnail previews for tabs now. Also much better performance. And I think that really just leads us to the big conversation about Mac switching to Apple Silicon. Mm-hmm. They had that moment on stage. They were like, and, and it was introduced by Tim Cook and everything. Like they went back to Tim on the main stage and they were like, this is a big moment in the history of Max. And they did this majestic drone shot to the underground lab. <laughs> and yeah, it was Craig talking to us about, look, we've made the transition before from PowerPC. We've made the transition. We're going now from Intel to our own Apple Silicon Max. Still no name for Apple Silicon Max. Can we please create a name before it actually gets announced? It's weird because I just want to keep saying Apple Max, but they're already Apple Max, so well, they probably just have to make up a name like okay. Bionic. No, I, I think it's a I think it's a big moment. I think I've been looking forward to seeing just what they can do with Apple Silicon in a big thermal envelope. Yeah, like that's the big question. Is like iPads, iPad Pros have been crushing in the performance per watt department with no fans and yeah. you know exporting 4k video i think john john from tld he talked about this in his video exporting like a 4k video a couple minutes long no fans whisper silent faster than a macbook which would have had its fans spinning Nutty. real hard yeah. so imagine that level of performance per watt in a laptop with the efficiency that the, the ipad pro uh-huh. gets that's already hugely promising um and then imagine that in a desktop scale just just a whole whole world of possibilities. So that brings us to the question, what would be the best ideal first Mac with, with this Apple Silicon? And I think the answer for me, or at least for what a lot of people would look to this for, would be like a 12-inch MacBook. Yeah, where you I have think a, a small, MacBook for sure. A small, thin laptop. Doesn't need that many, you know, one fan maybe. Mm-hmm. And it gets this incredible iPad Pro-like even better than iPad Pro performance because you have that bigger thermal envelope, yeah. bigger chip, bigger battery, more RAM, all this more space to work with. Put, throw a nice screen in there, and that's going to be a heck of a computer. I, I think that would be a great first computer. Now, of course, Craig was never going to tell me what the first one's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and then rumors. you can even, like, the MacBook Air form factor that is just a, a tad thinner. I guess yeah. you have more ports on a regular MacBook, but, right. like, you can start getting slimmer and slimmer. And then you even look about how we talked about the like iPad looking iMac. Like right now that has, mm. it kind of lumps out in the back, apparently like presumably for for thermal. So like yeah, all if the you have less of that, so you're parts. just going to get thinner, sleeker, which is Apple's MO. So yeah, that's all going to look better. I'm really hoping that that's coming soon but yeah that's that other big rumor we talked about that in the last episode right like an ipad pro looking Mm -hmm. mac that would be also potentially 
uh, an Apple Silicon-based computer, but I'm just not sure about the desktop stuff yet because they also need a GPU. We, we could see the, other stuff. the return of the trash can Mac. Oh, no. Please don't, Apple. Yes. Please don't. Do it. New trash Mac. Mm, it needs, I don't think it's, that thing... The biggest issue with that was thermal, right? But I guess GPU-wise... Um, it was thermal. Um, it was a thermal it issue. It was definitely a thermal issue. They tried issue. to cool the entire computer with one fan. They tried to cool a workstation computer with dual workstation GPUs <laughs> and a Xeon processor with one fan. So yeah, that I, I don't know if that's the solution. It's is coming to go back. Right I'm back calling to that. it first. First Mac coming back. Oh, trash please. can. I hope they're not listening at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. A, it's a big moment for Apple. Is what I'm. Is yeah, what I'm coming back cool. to. Is uh, I'm that's looking exciting. forward to the first one. Yeah. That being said, they still have Intel Macs in the works. Mm-hmm. There will still be updates for the foreseeable future for Intel Macs as they do this transition. But yeah, I'm looking forward to what, whatever that first one is, uh, and hopefully seeing what sort of performance per watt. I think that's going to be the headlining feature of it when it when it does get announced on stage. So yeah. looking forward to it. But yeah, that's that's basically it for what we saw at WWDC overall. I'm giving my let's rate the show. I'm going to rate the production of the show itself and then the announcements at okay, the show. Cool. So production, I'm rating. Tell me if you're shocked. A plus. Not shocked. Yeah, and totally agree. Yeah. And then I'm going to give the the announcements. This is one of the better shows. I had the thought driving home yesterday, was this the best WWDC ever? But I haven't been alive long enough to really say. Mm, okay, well, so just say in your ranked in your lifetime. In my lifetime of WWDCs, this is one of like the top three for me. I think the Mac Pro reveal is like, it just shoves that one up to the top of my list, even yeah. though I didn't ship it. But I'm going to say as far as announcements, switching to ARM, iOS 14 and all the widgets, I'm going to go A minus. I think that's even more impressive because there was zero hardware announced. True. Like if A- it's that good, no hardware. yeah, that's that's a great, great show. It's pretty good. I'm looking forward to the rest of the year too, though, because we're going to get some serious hardware from the rest of these companies. So, yeah, and now I'm looking forward to the rest of the uh, online productions, and I cannot wait to rank them. Oh God, no. I'm, I'm looking ready. forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Waveform. We'll be back with our next episode in two weeks as scheduled. But uh, until the next one, feel free to tweet us, get in touch, and we'll see you back on the channel. Take it easy. Waveform is produced in part with Studio 71, and our intro-outro music was created by Cameron Barlow.